are taking a break from Luke's gospel this morning. We'll be looking at the gospel of Matthew. And um, the next couple weeks, I'm going to be away. And uh, Steve Morrow next week is going to kick us off on a series that we're going to do on spiritual gifts beginning next week and into the new year. Uh, Dave Anderson will be on that topic the week after that. And then I'll finish it off for a few weeks in, in January. Um, But this morning, let's turn our attention to uh, Matthew chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 16, and that is on page 681 if you're using the Bible in the seat in front of you. I want to invite us to take a look this morning for the next 15 minutes or so at a scene in the Christmas story that's often overlooked. In this scene, we meet perhaps the most notorious of all Christmas characters. A figure who makes Scrooge and Grinch look kind-hearted by comparison. The figure's name is Herod the Great. The history books tell us that Herod was king over the Jewish people from about 40 to about 4 BC. Herod was infamous for his nasty disposition, for his cruel and ruthless politics and actions, and for his corrupt administration. And yet, when it came to figuring out the identity of the baby born in Bethlehem on Christmas morning, King Herod was one of the few people who got it right. Of all the people who were alive at the time that Jesus Christ was born, perhaps nobody took that first Christmas more seriously than King Herod. And perhaps nobody understood better than Herod why the story of Christmas matters. You see, Herod knew that the Christmas story is about more than, than uh, warm sentiments and goodwill toward men. And, and so Herod didn't find the story of baby Jesus born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger to be quaint and warm-hearted or heartwarming like we do. No, Herod found this story to be very threatening Because Herod knew that this one born in Bethlehem was none other than a rival king. A king who might prove Herod feared to be far greater than he was. And so Herod acted accordingly. So what does Herod teach us? He teaches us that whatever we make of the Christmas story, there's no historical basis for the sentiment so common today that Jesus was a nice and admirable religious man, and so it's wonderful if people want to believe in him so long as they keep their faith to themselves and don't bother anyone else with it. Because worshiping Jesus is just one option among many. It may be attractive to some, but, but it's no better than any of the other many options that are available to those who are religiously inclined. Herod knew better. Herod knew, or at least suspected, that the babe of Bethlehem was destined to become a rival king. A king who might eventually command the allegiance of all. Jesus' own mother Mary understood as much. As she put it in her beautiful uh, song which celebrates Jesus' coming into the world in Luke 1, Mary's Magnificat, we call it. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Another important witness in the Christmas story, Simeon in Luke 2 puts it this way. 
this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. The Christmas story is not the tale of, of the birth of one more religious guru who, who came to offer one more religious option for the world spiritually inclined. No, the Christmas story is the story of the birth of a king, a real king. Not just a member of the royal family who bear an honorary title and stay in a hotel in New York City worth way too much money per night. But, but a king, a king with, with absolute authority born to command the destiny of all peoples. As the well-known Christmas carol puts it, Joy to the world, we sang it this morning. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. But if that's the case, we may wonder, why don't we see more evidence of this king's authority today? After all, the Christmas story tells us that he's supposed to be the prince of peace. But as another Christmas carol, I heard the bells on Christmas Day laments, In despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. The world goes on, doesn't it, as if Jesus never came. The Christmas spirit seems to evaporate each January, once again leaving us with the harsh realities of life in a broken world. Why, if, if Jesus is really king? Well, the answer to this question, I think, is well expressed in an old legend that you may have heard about a king who, one day when he was traveling in royal procession through his kingdom, came upon a young peasant girl with a face so fair that he instantly fell in love with her. Day after day, she consumed his thoughts and, and filled his dreams, but he was at a loss as to what to do about her because if, if he approached her in all of his power and splendor, he, he feared, feared that he'd shock and, and overwhelm her humble sensitivities. And, and worse, if, if she were to yield to his advances, he could never know for sure if she really loved him back or whether she complied out of duty or even fear. Well, finally, the king chose a new and unexpected course. True love's only option. He stripped off his royal robes and, and left behind his power and his prerogatives and disguised himself as a simple peasant. He made her acquaintance, courted her, and won her heart. And only after she giddily consented to be his bride did he reveal his true identity and take her to be his queen, after which, of course, they lived happily ever after. <laughs> That's why we don't see more of the king's reign around us now. Jesus is a king as sensitive and wise and tender-hearted as the king in the legend. A and we are the ones upon whom he has set his affections. That's why he came to us humbly, born of peasant parents and laid in a feeding trough. That's why he allowed himself to be beaten and nailed to a cross to die by threatened power intoxicated men like Herod. All of this was and is his overture of love to us. But of course, it'd be a cruel love to love a dead man. And so thankfully, Jesus' death 
isn't the end of the story. Those who knew Jesus best testified that after he died, contrary to all their expectations, God raised him from the dead. Vindicating him against his enemies, proving his claims and words to be true, and restoring him then to his throne in heaven. In heaven now, Jesus' authority is primarily that of love's persuasion. Jesus continues to send forth his loving invitations and continues to pursue us with his great affections. He also calls us to love one another, to abandon our self-centeredness, our look-out-for-number-one way of living. In love, he calls us to turn away from, from our rebellious, I don't need God, I can figure it out on my own approach to life. And he invites us to let go of, of the many things we think will delight and satisfy us, the things we find so shiny and wrapped under the tree on Christmas morning and, and enjoyed for a few weeks or months of the new year, but, but then buried in our closets and attics by next Christmas. Because they didn't turn out to be that elusive something or someone we were looking for to fill us up after all. Jesus invites us instead to find our delight in him. Can we resist these advances of, of the one who loves us? Yes, of course we can, and, and many, many do. But let us never forget that Jesus is still a king, nevertheless. A real king. And he is still destined to cause the falling and the rising of many. For there will come a day when the king returns. When the period of courting and wooing has come to an end. And Jesus, as king, demands flat out obedience of all. On that day it will be too late for love. Because sides will already be drawn. And the enemy will be engaged in battle and defeated. Then there will be peace on earth. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So let's take a lesson from King Herod. King Herod got it right, at least mostly right. Herod suspected that Jesus was the world's real king. And he understood that he had to make a choice. Fight against this king or bow before him. The choice he made is another matter. But that choice is still before each of us until the day that we die or until the king returns. We can side with the king. We can enlist in his cause. We can receive his, his affection and, and the fulfillment that he provides. Or we can take our chances alongside Herod, one day facing King Jesus in battle. Thank you, Herod. You were a failure and a villain in many ways, but at least you taught us why the Christmas story matters.